great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. We approach August 11th now. Just You know what that means? It just means we're one day closer to football season than we were yesterday. And that's a good thing. I mean, are, are you guys as ready for football as I am? Because... I finally, uh, finally, I mean, it it took me a little, an extra day, but I I watched the premiere of Hard Knocks, which has lost its luster. And the last good season of Hard Knocks was the, and I'm not a Texans fan. It was back, it was the Texans season with Bill O'Brien. It's been a while. I mean, it's, it's back, baby. I mean, Dan Campbell had me. I was exhausted last night. I mean, exhausted. I haven't slept much lately. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I'm like, I got to watch it because my man Gerald Broussard is going to be coming on the next day. We talk hard knocks every year. I got, and, and, and my exhaustion went to, dude, I, I, in my forties, I don't think I might go put on like a football helmet, just run down the street at full speed after that opening speech. We're going to talk football. We got Gerald Broussard on with us. There are our preseason games today. We're going to talk some fall camp as well. We'll talk a little UL, all kind of stuff coming your way. It is time to welcome him via the phone line from Parts Unknown, our good friend Gerald Broussard, Louisiana Rage Cajun color analyst for the broadcast. Good morning, G. Is is August um, at this point in your life, now that you're not in, in coaching and you're not playing is it is it just a countdown for football like it is for me? Do you just have like a, a, an unofficial clock somewhere in your head, like in your subconscious, like, all right, we're one day closer? Yeah, it really is kind of good to visit with you and stuff. And it's just you, you kind of start seeing stuff on the news and you hear it as it gets closer, and then now you're in camp. And I agree with you. I mean, if you can't get excited to watch, <laughs> I get a kick out of those people that call him Man Campbell. Uh, instead of Dan Campbell, because uh, oh boy, lives it now and he feels it and he brings it and, and I don't know, he was kind of excited and I looked for Tracy, hope to see Tracy out there a few times. Didn't get to, but I'm sure at some point, hopefully, we'll get to see him a little bit. Tracy talking about Tracy Walker's cages, and uh, you know, I, th- I think it's it's going to be. A, uh, I'm hoping for a good season of hard knocks, as you said. It's been a little disappointing the last couple of years. All right, I wanna, I wanna. I, I want to dig into the first episode with you a little bit. I want to talk, obviously, some Cajun football with you and uh, some of the, the storylines out of fall camp right now and a couple of other things. But just right out the gate, G, it's it's training camp at the NFL. It's fall camp in college football. As a former player and coach yourself, what's the worst part? What's the best part? Uh, the the worst part of it is, is no sleep. I mean, it's just you're tired, and you stay tired. It's really you get used to being tired from this time till till sometime in March, 
And uh, but but you know you you get up early, you stay late, you go through a lot of stuff. And look, it's hot. You know whether I've I've done it in Arizona, I've done it in Tennessee, I've done it in, in South Louisiana and in East Texas. And and uh, it doesn't matter where you are; it's always hot. And you you, you know you get you kind of get used to being sleepy because you're up and you're outside and, and you go through a lot of it. So just getting used to being tired is the worst part of it. And, and the best part of it is, 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 is football. And, uh, you know, you, you get to get in there, you, you do a little grinding. You've got to stay motivated because, you know, the players are going to lose their, their, their juice a little bit. And so you've got to stay motivated with yourself to keep them motivated. But, you know, I just the, the excitement of being able to teach and being able to prep and being able to plan and, and seeing a plan come together, um, you know, I've been out of it for a few years and, and, and quite a few now, about a decade and there's there's nothing out there like it to to just kind of replace that, uh, you know. In the roles I've had since I've gotten out, I've tried and I still use a lot of uh, football stuff with me. But it's not the same when you can't just go and will yourself into certain positions, and then you see somebody, a, a young man that's going to come in there and struggle at a task or a technique, and and you work on, you work on. The next thing you know, it works, and he gets better, and and just. Dude, that that's just there's just something to be said for it, and just the execution of things, and it's just uh, to me it was other than being tired, I, I I loved it. It was a lot of fun. ESPN Lafayette, it's um it's kind of like I don't know, maybe if you're if you're a kid in school and you're not really excited, the summer's over, but you know that like man. You know, a month in, homecoming's coming up. I got this girl I got to ask. Or, man, our first game's in a month. I can't wait. There are aspects of it you're really, really excited and can't wait to get to. And there are other parts of it that's like, you know, my body's about to hurt a lot. Or, a.k.a. my brain's about to hurt a lot. Or, you know, playtime is over, that type of thing. So I'm sure there's a balance there. But I imagine the more you love the sport, the easier it is to swallow. You know, the bad stuff anyway. Yeah, it is, and, and and I know as a player it was totally different, and and my coach was different than I was, and then uh, I was the way I was by intent, simply because his philosophy was that I'm gonna try and make you quit every day. That way, the ones who don't quit, then the games will be easy. It was kind of an old school mentality to it, and, and stuff. And he had a military background, and it's it's kind of that, but. Um, you know, and I fought through it, and, and you know, I wasn't gonna quit. I mean, that, that was never gonna happen. But when I got into coaching, I, I just never, never thought that that was the best way to get people motivated to execute. And so, and he and I have talked about that since we're still really close. But, but I, I just, you know, I always just tried to, to set goals and daily goals and, and, and things that I wanted the guys to execute. And I did them for myself, too. Wanted to see different things to get, to get accomplished or practice in each day. And, and uh, you know, you fight through the big part of it. One of the things that Dan Campbell said on the, on, on the, the show that I really liked was is not looking down the line, that the light at the end of the tunnel. Because, you know, chances are it's a train. And so just embrace the grind of it. He calls it grit. Um, you know, we we always just, you know, it's all about the process. And you hear that with Coach Saban. You heard that a lot with, with Billy around there the last few years. It, it, it's the process of it. And, and when you start embracing the process, the daily grind, the grit, whatever it is, you know, doing the hard things just because that's what you do. And, um and then you stop kind of worrying about it, and then it just becomes what you do, and then you just don't even think about it no more. 
it's like uh, you just <laughs> this this water is going to be freezing, but I love to swim, so let me just jump in and not over. Let me, let me not ease my way into it. It seems like you know, uh, like I guess to on one extent, G, you mentioned it, like you kind of get your body and your mind used to something to where you're not thinking about it eventually. But there has to be an aspect of camp that's like, look, just jump in. It's freezing. Just jump in. Don't try to ease your way into no it or you're just it's not going to work. Just, if, if you don't jump in, guess what? I'm going to throw you in. And if you run away, you're off the team. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the way it, I mean, it goes. It, it's just like the cold tub. I mean, you get out of practice, you go in the cold tub and there ain't no, you know, tiptoeing in the cold tub. I mean, you, you just get in the cold tub. You know, everything's going to shrivel up. Everything's going to shrivel up. And so you just you know that you get in there, you shrivel it up. But you know what? When you get out of it. God, it feels really good, and uh, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing you just you just know. I mean, and then you know, people use different words. That's why I hesitate a little bit whether or not I wanted to use the word. Just, you know, a lot of people say embrace the suck because some things just do suck, and and, and that's okay. I mean, it, it nothing, not everything's supposed to be groovy and easy, you know. But but that's all part of uh, doing what others talk about doing and just doing it, and. Uh, you know, and it just—I don't know. That's that's what makes you different. That's what makes you special. Uh, one thing that that he did talk about that I, I I never worried about when I was coaching. I hear coaches say all the time, you know, we're going to outwork these people and all this. And I never worried about that because you can't control what other people do, but you can darn sure control what you do. And uh, and, and and that's the thing. It's just you know, worry about doing what you do. It's it's not all going to be fun. It's not supposed to be fun, but then go out and do it. And then, you know, it's a sense of accomplishment when you do things that, that, that are, are difficult and, and you accomplish them, then you, you do have a sense of accomplishment and worth. And, and then you get to go test it. You know, Cajun's got Southeastern coming in on September 3rd. Saints are getting ready for their stuff. Um, I think this offseason has been a long, long offseason with, you know, around here, the changes in Baton Rouge, the changes in Lafayette, the changes in New Orleans, and, and the uncertainty about the newness of everything, uh, just the anticipation of what's going to happen. And uh, and now these guys get to go, and I say get to because they're blessed to get to go through training camp, and and, and they get to go and embrace the, the hard times and, and go do what other people tell Heck, I'm sitting here trying to pedal a little gear out in Houston. It was in Austin and San Antonio and going to be in Midland in a couple of weeks and, and stuff like that. Dude, it ain't near as much fun as going to hit somebody in the face and smile when you get done with the guy you just hit in the face. <laughs> I mean, it don't get no groovier than that. Man, I got, I got the hard knocks theme playing in the background, and it, everything you say is just magnified even more. I'm getting fired up. We're going to talk with Gerald <laughs> Broussard more, that opener of hard knocks. We're going to talk – um, about the big storylines coming out of Cajuns fall camp with G uh, and a number of other things. And, and, and last thing I'll touch on before we, we take our first break, a quick one. I, I guess I don't think there's ever, and I could be wrong, Gerald, but I, I'm just thinking of in my lifetime. I don't think there's ever been a, a, a football season where UL, LSU, and the Saints all had a new head coach. All, all in the same year. I think this is the first time ever. And if it's not, then it, we're going back a ways. I mean, it, maybe it's happened before, but I mean, to my knowledge, it hasn't. Certainly, I can go back in my head 30-plus years, 35, 36 years. That's never never happened in my life, 40 years. No, I I, I can't think of it. I know. Um, no, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of it. And look, I'm 
not that I was paying that close attention, but but to be honest with you, just the <laughs> all everybody is in the same boat with a lot of questions, similar questions and stuff, and and uh, I I just think it's exciting. I really do. All right, don't go anywhere. We can take a quick timeout. We'll be back. Gerald Broussard on the line with us this hour. It's the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll be right back. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Gerald Broussard, Raging Cajun alum, former coach, color analyst for the radio broadcast. In the booth again this season with the ODB, Jay Walker. Cajuns kick off their season September the 3rd against Southeastern. So, Gerald, with us on the phone line this morning, G, I... Um, I wasn't able to watch the the Hard Knocks opener Tuesday. I got I got to it last night. Like I said, I was it was it felt like a chore, but a good chore. But I was just I was really really tired. Um, you know, kids starting school, just a lot of stuff going on. I hadn't slept much, and I was like, I gotta watch it. Like it's it's a topic tomorrow. It's one of the things G and I talk about. But in the past, like I, I wouldn't have felt like it was a chore going into it. I would have been like jacked about it, but. The last four or five seasons have been extremely disappointing. Just it, it felt more like propaganda is a strong word, but I'll use it. It felt like the pro- propaganda for the team that was being featured. Like we're just going to control everything, make us look as good as possible, and not real. If that's what they're doing with episode one of this season with the Lions, then they got me because that just felt like it, I, I get it. It felt like the Dan Campbell. Uh, biopic and guess what I was I'm here for all of it like I it was I was really I, my, my expectations were so low but like it was like wait it only 45 minutes like it's already over like I wanted to keep going I mean your thoughts on the first episode overall yeah I, I didn't I watched it yesterday morning I pulled the laptop out and watched it yesterday morning and the other part that I really liked about it was the competitive nature of the staff between Aaron Glenn and Deuce Staley <laughs> uh, Aaron Glenn being the defense coordinator Deuce Staley being the running back coach and 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 it would it, it's it would have to be an acquired taste out there because I mean they they take 
talking trash to a new level as far as coaches, you know, and they're, and they're best of friends, but they are, they, you know, they were teammates at one time and, and they're, they're really close. And, and, uh, and Campbell talked about putting his staff together with a lot of ex players and guys that, that he played with or coached with before and, and trying to bring that competitive nature with them and a little bit of verbalizing and, and it, it, it makes it fun. I mean, you heard, I think it was different because they didn't get as much in the player personalities so much as they did the coaching personalities, which, you know, as as an ex-coach, I enjoyed that part of it, too, just seeing it and talking about how they got there. And then, I, Scott, it caused me to, to get on the computer and look these guys up, see where they coach, when they got into it, and stuff like that. You know, got Mark Brunel coaching the quarterbacks in there and, and just, you know, him having that kind of calming nature with it and – uh but those other two got after it now. They get after it. And, and look, for, for a camp that's, you know, this wasn't touch football. I mean, it was it was physical, the, the clips that they showed. And he said that they weren't going to do it every day. But uh, they picked a day to, 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 to film that, that uh, you know, there was a lot of collisions, a lot of physicalness with it. You know, we got to see the, the talk of the uh, the cushions now for the headgears that, that they're wearing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... You know, I, I just think that that's something that just takes some getting used to. But uh, I'm involved in, in a, it's called photobiomodulation, PBM. It's it's low-level low light therapy, red light therapy. I'm involved in a study in Salt Lake City of, of football players and ex-players and, 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 and first responders and, and military people. And, and I do a, a treatment, a headgear treatment, a light treatment every other day. And... Uh, Anything that they can do to help prevent uh, collisions and stuff, I'm good with, but I hadn't seen it. And so to be able to see it, to hear them talk, I thought that was cool uh, and, and just physical. I mean, it wasn't a lot of – it was it was practice and getting after it and stuff. And, and then, you know, they one thing, Scott, I've never been a fan of is the singing. Uh, but, you know, they, he, he handles it well. He just calls them out. They go sing, had a good time with them, a couple good little spots, and then uh, they move on with it. What would you don't like it? So, what would Gerald's song have been if he was in an NFL training camp back in the early '80s? Uh, in the early '80s, it would have probably have been something by David Allen Coe, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, it might have been "Nothing Sacred," uh, which is not a good one to admit to. But yeah, I knew all the words. And um, what was that so one he saying about the cat mean, and the bald cat and being out on the rain and hot, wet? Uh, yeah, I, I, would it, wasn't that David Allen Coe? Uh, no, this one, we couldn't sing a whole lot of words <laughs> on the radio. It was, yeah, it I know. Was, uh, <laughs> well, like uh, ESPN Live, he had best ticket in sports. I, I guess that, you know, they needed to do something different than they've done because it was, I mean, last year they had the Cowboys and I didn't. I couldn't even finish the series. I was like, I was bored out of my mind. And I shouldn't be. I mean, it's uh-huh. the freaking Dallas Cowboys, you know. Um, yep. But... I think being able to focus on the coaches more so than the players, and there was a good bit of Aiden Hutchinson, and, and he was fine, and it was a good it was a good story, and a little bit on the the undrafted tackle who was from Nigeria and played at Memphis. Just that conversation, you know, it's it's nice to kind of have a a seat next to those that guys. Cool. They're in the ice bath, you know. That's I like that, yeah. but it helps. Like I remember all of those coaches. I remember when they played. 
you know, some are more recent. You know, Kelvin Shepard played at LSU, and then he played with the Bills. But, you know, I remember Deuce Staley, especially with the Eagles. You know, there were a lot of years they weren't great, but he was this really talented running back and just a tough, tough SOP. Aaron Glenn was, 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 had a long career. He was always good. Spent one year with the Saints as a player. Ended up being on their staff for a little bit. But I, I remember him with the Jets. Obviously, Mark Brunell. You know, I, you, you remember these guys and and I remember Dan Campbell obviously as I always remembered him as a player before he ended up you know getting into coaching and was on the Saints staff for years so he's just a I think it helps when you remember those guys as players because there's already kind of a a built-in interest and I like that it was just just about their it was about their love of football instead of you know everybody loving that the the old coach for the Browns because, you know, he had a big gut. And when he would say hut, it would suck in. Like that was, I'm not saying that wasn't like good television, but like that's that joke. It's there a joke. I mean, you laugh at it. It's funny, but then you kind of move on. Um, this was, this wasn't so much about appearance as it was just about football. And I mean, Dan Campbell, the fact that he's like always on the verge of crying, like real football tears, about how much he loves it, like trust me, you got why why we're putting on pads this early, all this stuff, and then you see Jamal Williams, the running back, and he's just supposed to lead him out in the huddle, and then he just keeps going, and by the end of it, he's crying, and it's like, my God, these guys were three and thirteen last year. It's just a first day of camp, but you can't tell me that they don't love football, and it felt like, and the fact that it was only forty five minutes, I think that was a smart move by Art Knox as well, because it actually left you wanting for more instead of. Oh my God! When is this ever going to end? I, I'm, I am. They got, they got me hooked. Gee, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do next week. But that for a first episode of the season, it just, it felt like, it felt like football. You know what I mean? And in the past, when Hard Knocks starts, that get that, you know, maybe not so much the last few years, but that used to be the thing that would really get me excited, much more than a preseason game. That would really get me excited for the NFL season, and I felt like. In that episode, they had that magic back. Well, the theatrics of it too, Scott. They do such a good job with the the music and and the video and the film and all that stuff. We forgot to mention uh, Antoine Randall L. Oh yeah, there you go. Of course, there you know. Well, what a player he was, and 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 showing, and you know, going back and showing footage of him as a player, and then coming back and showing him as a coach. You know, I thought that was cool. But they do such a good job with with just, I mean, the music, and you know, it brings me back to the old NFL films days. You know, and and with the, the you're missing kind of John Facenda, the kind of the voice of NFL films when when I was growing up, and, and uh, you know he had such a voice. And this cat who does the, the the narrating for the show, he's got. I mean, when you hear his voice, you just kind of get fired up. Kind of, you know, when I'm driving around every now and then, and I, I turn on the radio, I hear the Birdman talking a little bit, and I'm thinking, golly, I need to be sitting next to that fella, you know, because it, it just you know makes you makes me think of of UL athletics and stuff like that. And, and, you know, there are guys that you associate with certain things and, and just the, the theatrics and, and, and the way that hard knocks puts it together, even in the bad years, they know how to do the videos and stuff, but the storylines of this year, I'm really anxious to see how they continue. And you mentioned the undrafted kid from Nigeria talking about, Hey, I was recruited by a lot of schools. I went to Memphis cause I felt good about them. And that's where I felt most comfortable. And Aiden Hudson just couldn't believe it. He was like, what? 
why would you do that? <laughs> he said, I don't know, just because I'm not from here. Right, you know? right. And so that, I, I, I really want to see if they're able to do something. If the kid can play, I hope the kid can play, and if they do something with that and with that personality. Yeah, and, and you know, is he going to make the team? Is he not? I, I felt like they didn't overdo it with that. If he's a the guy they're going to foca- focus on as far as, you know, one of those guys that, that may get cut or not, then that was a good way to introduce it. Just normal conversation with another player build on it from there but but i gotta be honest you here's what i'm worried about i mean dan campbell he 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 starts crying because he loves his players so much like what's what's gonna happen when he has to cut a player like (laughs) you know every year you have some coaches that are like if you need anything just let me know you know i'll put in a good word for you like Dan Campbell's literally going. I feel like he's going to write a handwritten letter to every coach in the league. Like you got to sign this guy. You know, like he's gonna. It's gonna. The tears are going to be like overwhelming. I, I'm, I'm kind of worried about Dan when we get to that point in the series. It sounds ridiculous. Usually, you're kind of worried about the player. I'm like, man, I'm kind of worried about Dan Campbell. What's he going to do? Yeah, that. But you know what? That's why I really do. I've got a different appreciation for him now because. You know, I, I, you hear it and I heard it as a coach. Don't get too close with your players. Don't get too close with, with your employees because you might have to fire them or you might have to cut them or whatever. Well, I'll handle that. You know, and just, but, but golly, if, if you can't love and care for the people that you work with, then, then why would you intentionally be standoff? Because the, the best way to get people to, to maximize their talent level is to you. have them feel like you really do care for them. And yeah, and, and uh, if you want them to follow you, make sure they know you love them. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. That opening, that opening scene when they start camp, and one of the lines was like, "I don't care if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I'll still kick your." You know, I was like, <laughs> "What is he? Is he? Is he? Is he beating up someone in a hospital? Like, what, what's he talking about?" Yeah. And yet, I was kind of there for it, you know. Um, and he was very, very descriptive about like drowning someone. But it made sense when you heard it about sort of like where we are as a team. Let's not act like we're, you know, one of these fast teams in the shallow. We just have to tread long enough, drag him to the deep, and then drown. And I'm like, has Dan Campbell ever drowned someone in real? Like this is this is very this is very descriptive, you know. And yet, you, when you watch it like that, it's it's just it's just football talk, you know. Like I, I and yeah. Greg Williams was crazy, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, Doctor Heat. I mean, he definitely had his issues, but you know, you, you hear a clip of him totally out of context, and it's like I can't believe he said we have to hit the head and cut a head off a snake, and it's like, I mean, come on, like Dan Campbell wasn't talking about trying to actually drown someone last night. You know what I mean? He was just. And, 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 yes, Greg Williams shouldn't have done some of the things he did. But my point is, if you just played a clip of that speech to someone that doesn't know anything about football, they'd be like, what's going on? Like, is he, is he training Navy SEALs like, that are about to go on a secret mission? <laughs> and then you see it in its context and in the metaphors and everything, and suddenly it, it's kind of awesome. I don't know. I was like, yeah, drag him to the deep end, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, I liked his analogies. I mean, I really did. I think that now I, I didn't understand the one ass cheek, three toes, but I understood. It made no it, sense. No, no. Yeah, you could have done a little better than that. But but for the most part, dude, I was taking notes <laughs> and stuff. And, and look, I, I, I do like little motivational things and put up around the office from time to time and stuff like that. And, uh, 
you know, but but some of those things, it, it all goes back to just embracing the grind and doing the hard work and doing all the stuff and never giving in and all that kind of stuff that everybody's got to talk about. And it's, it, 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 you will, and people will see through it if if it's not real. And then he talked about that too. You know, being yourself and not being a phony, and and and, and that's. I don't care if that's a you know an NFL player, if that's a two-year-old. I've got a grandson now, and he can tell, and he will test you. And and, and everybody always does. But I do believe that the, the, the man is himself, and, and he's going to show his, his feelings there. And I, and, I, and I appreciate that. He's not, he's not like, standoffish. He's not on guard for anything. Uh, so so that will be cool to, to see how it goes. And, and uh, you know, like you said, you know, it's, it's not going to be making fun of any of these coaches. I don't know if I'd want to go, you know, scrap with this staff. I'm talking about they got they got a few men running around there now, and um, you know, but but I, I do I anticipate it being a lot of fun, and and I see it gets it gets you ready for what we're going to see here in South Louisiana, and getting getting ready for the Cages and the Saints and and, and the Tigers, and, and uh, you know, I just I dude, I, I got excited over it, and I I'm not going to lie, Scott, I'm going to watch it again. Before the next the one, I'm first watch one. <laughs> just I might just need to watch that opening scene when I when I'm really tired and I need to you know you know what go go outside <laughs> play with the kids help your son do his homework do something I'm like give me that opening scene it might it might not make sense to my son that I'm you know a guy's talking about drowning someone but this this is what I this is what I need right now to get me get me going. Give me juice. It's funny when the, when the Lions hired Dan Campbell, and you know he had his first press conference and he talked about you know biting kneecaps and all this other stuff. I was like, listen, you know if, if the Lions surpass expectations, everyone's going to love this. They're going to applaud it. If not, they're going to turn it into jokes. Now mm-hmm. that he's on hard knocks, and and now that you know you mentioned him being himself, Kelvin Shepard early in the episode saying Dan Campbell is unapologetically him and he wants us to be the same way because people can especially you know this this generation of these young men they can they can tell when you're not being real calvin said i was thinking about cutting my hair you know it was my first you know coaching job officially on a staff you know and um uh, not as like sort of a, a secondary you know whatever i don't know by title right it was it's his biggest coaching job to date he's like thought about cutting my hair and trying to do things different and dan said Absolutely not. Like, do you want to? No. Well, then don't. Like, be you. Just coach your ass off, but be you. And, you know, watching that episode, I do feel like, unless you're, because the Lions in general, because they've been so horrible, I mean, let's just be real, they're they're not, like, threatening to other fans. And you know how fan bases are, G. You know, man, I don't understand why people don't, everybody, I root for you guys. Why don't you root for me? Well, you root for us because we're not threatening to you, right? Like a fan, a fan will root for their team and they'll kind of not root against or maybe lightly root for another team if they like a few things about them. But if that team was a threat to their team, forget about it. And I think the Lions in general, they're not threatening because they haven't won a lot of games. And if you're not you know, if your favorite team isn't the Bears, Vikings, or Packers, I'm not saying the Lions are your, now your favorite team, but if they're not playing your favorite team, I, I feel like they're going to have a lot of people rooting for them this year. And I think even if they do struggle, I, I don't know that, you know, the Dan Campbell jokes will be um, mean-spirited. I think they'll just be, man, remember when he said that? That was hilarious. Like, I think 
I think what I said a year ago about, hey, look, if they do great, everyone's going to love this. If they stink, everyone's going to make fun of the things he says. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think that's true anymore. And I think this docu-series is going to be a big part of that. And, um, and I think the Lions are probably the perfect team, and he's the perfect coach for Hard Knocks to try to get its, get its grit back because it hadn't had it for a number of years now. And, you know, you talk about a coach and being himself. I really don't think he's trying to tell the producers or, you know, ownership is like, hey, you have to film us this way. Or you really can't show any of the Antonio Brown drama, which they did none of with the Raiders. Or Jerry Jones, just, you know, just make it all very pro Cowboys. Let me show off how much money we have. Let me show off this facility. I think with, with this group, it's just turn on the cameras. We don't, whatever. We're just going to do our thing. And, and I, think that's why it's, I think that's why it worked in the first episode, and I think that's why it's going to work for the next few. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. And I think that, you know, he talked about the, 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 the guy cutting his hair and stuff like that. I've had, I had talk with players, talks with players as they got towards the end of their career, you know, and then the player was a minority kid with dreads. And so, you know, we, we, we talked about that saying, hey, look, that, that's fine in college. And look, I had a bad wig in college too. I actually had one when I was coaching for a while, but, but you, you know, your appearance is the first thing that you see that people, you know, base everything on. You know, you can't judge book by its covers. What said, truth be known, though, the cover gets you in a lot of places. And so, you know, we talked about that as players and then having to, I don't want to say clean up, but, but, you know, become more, um, it's presentable is not the word, but acceptable to what the, the job sees itself as, um, but this guy has a personal relationship with Campbell. And so he was not now that he may have needed a haircut to move on and go somewhere else. But that wasn't why Dan Campbell was hiring him. And and so that being said, he's allows him to be himself with that and maybe it keeps some other people thinking too down the line. And and uh because, look, if he can coach him up and stuff, somebody will hire him, but he, he needed a chance to, to get in there with it and, and Dan Campbell knows him personally. And so that uh, it, it kind of goes to life lessons and all that, too. And so, look, I, I just, again, going back, I enjoy the storylines of it and stuff, and then I will watch it again, and I will take better notes. Jim uh, Costa is a radio host. He was um, on 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit, and uh, I want to just give him his his proper credit here. He came up with a drinking game for hard knocks this year, which I would not recommend, Gerald. Uh, certainly not with hard liquor. Um, one sip if you hear blue-collar, blue-collar people, hard-working people, something to describe the people of Detroit, right? It's hard-working, blue-collar, that's what we want to be. That's, that's a sip. If there's a reference to Motown or you hear a song of, you know, from Motown, that's a sip. Um, if, you know, there's fixtures in Detroit, the Spirit of Detroit, the Joe Louis First, the Renaissance Center, the Henry Ford Museum, the Q Line, the Ford plant, any assembly line workers, which is all over the intro, right, the intro this year, uh, that's, that's one sip. Now, you know, by the end of the montage, you've already had a few. Uh, if any former players brought up, and I, I kind of like that they didn't do it, to be honest with you, but if at right. some point Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson or Matt Stafford, you know, 
Uh, if any of those guys, you know, get brought up, Chris Spielman, you know, like guys you think of with the Lions, let's say cliche guys, um, that's two sips, right? If any player does a pep talk or a hype up speech or a coach, that's two sips. So you've already, you, you know, you had a bunch of that last night or t- Tuesday night, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, two sips for Jamal Williams and any Jamal Williams like presentations. And that was all over the place. So there's more. And, you know, an additional sip if the pep talk or hype gets you to actually run through a brick wall, right? Fire, like, like, you know, if, if it gets you to say that, and I said it. So, you know, uh, and, and if 0-16 ever gets brought up, which it hasn't yet, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's a couple of sips there. So you do that during hard knocks, you'll probably get drunk. But, but I'll, I'll close our conversation on hard knocks with this, G. It, it also worked because it was, it was just about these guys, the coaching staff, this year's players, it, no Barry Sanders reference, no Calvin Johnson, no Matt Stafford, no, hey, remember Dan Fouts, this team hadn't been good since then, and they were kind of good then, but should have been better. It was, it's kind of like, you don't need all that. We already know that the Lions aren't good, you know, haven't been good. And I get talking about last year. I mean, Dan Campbell was the coach, so yeah, you bring up three and 13, but I, um, I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe they got some new, new marketing people or somebody in there. But it's uh, so far so good. And if you do that drinking game, just let me know how it goes because you might not remember the episode the next day. No, I'm, I'm gonna avoid that. I promise you, I'm gonna avoid that. Uh, but but <laughs> I think you're right. I think staying in the now made it work. Uh, the only thing they had going back in, in the past was showing the, the video of the coaches playing. Everything else was in the now. They, they referenced last season, but it, as it pertains to the now. Right. It wasn't. And, and remember so, when Barry Sanders was here. And if and if at some point they have, you know, a, a picture of Barry on the wall or whatever, that's fine. But if it had just been 15 minutes of that reminding us how bad they've been, I feel like you miss out on you want you want the viewers to care about the team now. And I, right. I didn't watch all of last year. I watched the first two episodes, and then I just I just was too bored. I didn't feel like dedicating any more time to it. But it just felt like Cowboys propaganda. Like, look, Jerry's got a lot of money. Uh, here's Ezekiel wrapping a present and Dak. And it, it, that, that's I'm not even knocking that stuff, but it's not making me care about the 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 players or the individuals or the team. And um, they did that. Episode one, Gerald Broussard, our guest at TSB and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. So we're thick in training camp talk, talking about hard knocks. We're going to talk a little bit about the Saints coming up. We're going to get into a number of big UL storylines in the eight o'clock hour. But uh, up next, Gerald, I want to get your thoughts on what a locker room is like when everybody knows about something that could potentially make the locker room awkward. Whether it be, well, you, you kind of wanted me here, but you didn't really. I'll explain what I mean by that because I am going to tie in a story that I think is <clears throat> prominent right now involving two different NFL teams and how, how they're both kind of probably viewed a little bit different and what it's like to be inside a locker room like that. Don't go anywhere. And, 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 and the last teaser on that is this. It kind of partially involves Sean Payton. So stay tuned. I'll explain. That's Gerald Broussard. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere.
This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Your weather forecast today from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab. Partly cloudy, 80% chance of rain and thunderstorms, a high of 89. Tonight, partly cloudy, 40% chance of showers early and a low of 74. Gerald Broussard on the phone line with me this morning. This morning, from Parts Unknown, been talking about training camps, fall camps, hard knocks. Gee, I, that that liner coming back in—that was Jerry Glanville. Now, didn't you? Don't I feel like you? You've told me before you have a history with Jerry. Have you ever met Jerry? Yeah, I, I met him at a NFLPA All Star game. He showed up with a guitar on a motorcycle, and uh, and he was coaching. And so, interesting fella. And then you know, I, I, I talked about him a little bit with Billy. You know, but uh, had a few encounters with him. It, He's just uh, what you see on television. That's him in real life. I, mean, I, that, I can't. I can't. Guy. I've never been able to figure out why he wasn't a huge star on TV, like post, you know, post coaching career, like analyst, whatever. Because he, there was one season he was like on Fox, and and he was on one of the pregame shows or half. He did a couple of years of that. I'll always laugh at, you know, in two thousand the Saints were good. Uh, and the Saints hadn't been good very often, ever. Uh, maybe a few seasons here or there. But you know, this was the first year Mike Ditka was gone. And Ditka, for everything he did in Chicago, he was horrible in New Orleans. It's just a reality. Uh, and, and the Saints are doing well. And Ditka's in there. And they're asking him his thoughts. And it's really bothering Mike. You can tell. And Jerry starts singing. Like, he leans up into his ear and just starts going, oh, when the Saints. And, and it's like... That's the kind of thing that, like today, I think I think I think people would just love it. But you know, twenty two years ago, he was so much of sort of this wild. Like Terry Bradshaw is great at his job, but I think it's all very calculated. He wants you to think it's all just oh, hey, it's just me, yeah, Terry Bradshaw. But it's all very calculated, and he's really good at his job. With with Glanville, I think he was just flying off the cuff, and I think it made maybe producers and other people on sets uneasy but i think now today they love that when it comes to analysis and tv personalities and back then you know you didn't have 24 7 sports talk the way you do now i mean you did have espn but as far as all these talking head shows and everything you just uh, he i feel like as far as tv personalities go he should have been a mega star but he was maybe just ahead of his time I, the, your last statement, I believe, wholeheartedly. I think he was ahead of his time as far as the palette of, of how everybody was at the time. Or, and, and I do think, though, that, uh, yeah, he, he's got some interesting thoughts and, and ideas on things, but, but he's, he's a football savant, too. When you sit down and listen to him talk and everything, and then you mentioned Bradshaw. I think Bradshaw hides his intelligence well. Uh-huh. He likes to play up to his personality that what people uh, perceive him to be, but he's no dummy. 
and he's he's made a lot, a lot of money playing that role. And I do think it is a role. And I, I don't think that with Glanville, I don't think it was a role at all. I think that's just him. And um, I, I do think that in today's media climate, He'd have been massive. Massive would be massive. Massive, massive. I, I mean, you know, I hate the Falcons, but I, I, I just, I kind of love Jerry Glanville. That brief period of time he was on TV, I was like, this is incredible. I mean, this guy doesn't care. He's just there is nothing like button up about him, and he's and he's making good points, but he doesn't care who he offends. And I, I like that because nowadays you got people on there that say I don't care who I offend, but they're just intentionally trying to offend someone, not. Not from a political standpoint, but from a fandom standpoint, just so that they can get you know the algorithm right. It's it's all just annoying. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off track here. Um, Gerald Broussard, our guest. So, gee, I look at 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 a couple of teams in South Florida, the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, on one hand, you got Tampa Bay, who has Tom Brady, and they were never his first choice whenever he left New England. Miami wanted him. They got in charge. They got in trouble for tampering twice in 2019, and then again last year. Um, and you know there was reports that Sean Payton had Drew Brees retired, you know, um, after 2019 or or even after 2018, if the Saints won the Super Bowl that year and that non-call hadn't happened. You know, he said he might have probably done it, but the reality is he ended up in Tampa Bay. And they got a Super Bowl in the COVID year, and they've won games, and they're a franchise that in their entire history, even though they've been winning games lately, if you look at all 32 teams, the team with the worst all-time winning percentage in the NFL is the Buccaneers. So my point is, any longtime Bucks fan is like, we don't care, we'll take this, it's great. And any you know bandwagon Bucks fan, they're a bandwagon fan, so they don't care, they just want to win. And I think... Uh, the organization, not even speaking from a fan standpoint, they're like, man, this guy's older. We got him, and and we're good. So why are we going to complain? All right, he wasn't our first choice. Cool. We don't care. But then you go to Miami, and, yeah, you got some punishments from the NFL. But I want your thoughts on maybe from a locker room standpoint because you got a young quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa that I've, I've often said, if the Dolphins are going to be good this year, it's on him because they've invested in talent. They've put a lot into the roster. And if he's good, they'll be good. And if he struggles, it's going to be very frustrating to Miami. I think there's a lot on him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a younger cat, right? He, he comes from a different generation than you and I, certainly a different one than Tom Brady, the things that might make certain players sensitive or not. I, I just, I don't know, but he was asked about it yesterday and said, look, I'm still here. That's all noise. Then you got the head coach, Mike McDaniel, young head coach, Right downplaying the idea that, well, you know, they run at Sean Payton. And they did. It's out there. I mean, it's not a secret. Your, your owner got in trouble for it. And he's like, for me, nothing happened. Everything else is the one. Everyone else is the one making it awkward. It doesn't occupy a single iota of space with anybody. So they're saying the right things, Gerald. Uh, you and I are in the locker room, so we don't know. My question to you is, whatever a situation is, when there is outside noise about maybe you weren't wanted. How does that impact the inside of a locker room as a coach or as a player? Well, and it depends on if that person or if those things are still around or there. I mean, you say it with two, with the two of them. We're talking about it with two of them. 
but but the truth of the situation is is that the two surrounding him in that locker room, they weren't there then. The ones that are, that have the expectation level of two are set at such a high bar as far as the talent surrounding him, it's because of who's in there now and stuff. And look, I mean, if you get a chance to get Tom Brady, you take Tom Brady. You know, no matter who you got, you take Tom Brady, especially you know, a couple of years ago. And, 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 and I think that, you know, people get their feelings hurt. But the part of what we talked about in, in the first segment about one of the beauty of the things that, about the, the camp and, and going into camp is you can insulate and isolate yourself from everything going out in the real world. You'll be asked about it a little bit. Uh, when you do your press conferences or when you meet with the media and stuff like that. But, but truth be known, once you get back in that locker room, Scott, everybody's just trying to get a job. And they're trying to stay on, on focus with what they have to do because going back to what we were speaking of, I mean, the, the individual work to try and improve your individual talent level and your skill level is something that takes a lot of focus. And especially when you're going through the, 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 the fatigue that you're going to go through uh, physical fatigue. And, and so, and look, it, it's, it's different now than, than, you know, when I was playing. And I think it's different in a good way. I know when, like I told you about my coach, he tried to make us all quit, you know, and just whoever saved, and we felt like we'd be tougher for it. We also would go through two days in, in full gear, um, you know, for a couple of three weeks and, 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 and stuff like that. Camps used to be a time of getting people in shape. Now they're just a time of improving your technique and getting yourself ready for the season. So I think it's it, it, in the locker room there, it's only going to go as far as the ones who are affected by it. But once they get back in the locker room, then all that stays outside. And, and that's the, the, the locker room is a neat place. It, it, it's crude. It's rude. It's, it's it's socially unacceptable. It's just it's it's and it's fun. I mean, it just really is. It, it's just you know. I, I think that you would like to see behind the curtain a little bit when you get into the hard knock stuff, but you really can't um, because it it, it 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 is so bad at times when when what's how and when I say bad, I mean bad in a good way. I mean it's just. Uh, there are no guards or no filters. It's just everything comes through, and uh, you know. But but again, guys are tired. They're fatigued. They they they're frustrated. They're goofy. They're silly. It's it's just it's just I don't know. I enjoy it, and I think that a lot of that outside noise will go away once you enter those doors because it only affects one or two of you. The rest of them, they just don't care. I mean, they really just don't care. I like to his response. Uh... Tua, who, you know, is a pretty private guy, said he keeps a tight circle around him. He uh, he was asked about it from a reporter, and he said, I would say the only thing that gets frustrating is if you hear it every day or if you see it every day. I eliminate that. I, I don't. I go home. I go to my family. I study. I wake up the next day. I come back. I enjoy football. He said, I hear everything, obviously, from the media, and then when the Dolphins communication staff preps me for whatever you guys are going to say, then I'm like, okay, i got to answer this. All right, let me figure out something to politically correct to say. I thought that was such a, a, an honest answer there at the end. I kind of liked it, and I think that's what you have to do. You can't let it creep in there, and um, you know whether you're a coach or player. And that's why I would imagine, gee, as we wrap up this hour, it's – it's kind of a love-hate relationship with coaches and players when it comes to the media because 
on one hand, you want to be friendly and, and, you know, you could possibly utilize it. It can help generate interest. It can do a number of things. And on the other hand, you know, it, 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 it can become more of a distraction depending on how the whole team handles it. Because if every football team, every player on every team all handled the media the exact same way, you know, it might be a boring team to cover. But the team would like that. But that's just not possible because, as you said, a locker room, it's unfiltered. But I was talking to Rage Occasion lineman Carlos Rubio last week, and he was talking about how beautiful a locker room is because you got all these people from different backgrounds and different cultures all coming together. And that's there's no way a team's all going to react the exact same way, no matter how much a coach tells them. Here's how you should approach the media. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> It's just not going to happen. They're all going to approach it a little differently. And it's one of those challenges for a head coach to, to help block out that noise. And, you know, as you said many times, Gerald, when you're winning, the noise is minimal. I mean, you got the volume on, like, level three. It's just kind of background noise. It's, you know what, yeah, that, that, I don't really like this song. I can barely hear it, whatever. When you're losing, man, they got that thing cranked up full blast, and and you're like, turn this bleeping thing off, and oh my god, and all the problems kind of come higher to the surface, and at the end of the day, man, just win. Yes, sir. Always been that way. All right, we're gonna take a quick time out. We'll come back eight o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Another segment with G. The big storylines coming out of Raging Cajuns Fall Camp. We'll, uh, we'll hit uh, a little bit on the Saints, maybe LSU as well, but we're going to talk Cajuns in the next segment. The former Rage Cajun O-lineman and coach and current color analyst from Learfield on the Louisiana Rage Cajun Sports Radio Network, Joe Broussard, is uh, our guest. Great Scott Show continues right after this. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, eight o'clock hour. Gerald Broussard is with us this morning. Be safe out on the road, everybody. Been raining a ton lately, but a lot of people back in school today. You do have some traffic controls out there, but in the meantime, no accidents to report on the road this morning. So that's great news. Great news. Hope everybody is having. A wonderful Thursday morning. We, 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 you know, we, we talked about hard knocks, but kind of just things that come with training camp, things that come with fall camp. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all of it. Gerald Broussard is with us. He was part of a lot of them as a coach, as a player. And uh, Raise Occasions in fall camp now, G. And, you know, they've only been there, I guess, the first practice was last friday so we're, we're getting to about a week now i know they reported a week ago today it's it's a very compressed amount of time when you think of the entire calendar for a football season right and they've got them all mapped out into different tiers but when you consider that it's you know 11 days from now they're going to wrap and at that point they want to name a starting quarterback and they don't want to drag this thing out to the season opener or anything like that I mean, you talk about, you know, the the purpose of camp and, you know, kind of just improving and things like that. But 
as far as like the, the the sports football calendar goes, where would you rank the importance of fall camp for a college football team? Oh, it's huge, it, it, especially in college because you don't have, you know, in the NFL and high school, you get preseason games. And, and high schools have scrimmages and stuff like that, but you've got to get it all done in camp in, in, in college. And it's just, it, it's different there. You know, the, the urgency of it right now to try and get, you want it, you want your quarterback, whoever your starter is going to be, if you're going to go in with one. And if you are going to go in with one, you want that fella to get as many reps with the people he's going to play with as, as he can possibly get. Uh, so, so the urgency of getting that name is there uh, as long as that there's that opportunity. I mean, you know, if, if you can't do it, you can't do it. You play with who you got and, and as many as you got that you think can play. Um, but, but I know that the Cajuns feel like they have some talent at the position they would like for that talent to separate to, to where they can have it. But if they don't, they don't. They go in and, and, and other people have done it with, with more than one guy saying hi. I mean, I'm, I've never personally been a fan of it, but, but your situation is your Hey, gee, I think there you the go. We, we lost you there for just one second. I'm sorry. We got you back. Okay. Now, just looking at the Cajun schedule uh, and the practice schedule and stuff, they, they work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, take Thursday all practice Friday and Saturday and scrimmage on Saturdays. So their first scrimmage will be tomorrow, which will be big because, you know, we, we talked about the, the hard knocks and the physicalness of that. And, and you know, but, but you just, it's not near as physical as it used to be. And, and, you know, the other part of it is, Scott, you got to get out of camp healthy enough to get into your game and your season and stuff, too. So uh, making it through camp, you know, Coach, Coach Desmo, Michael Desmo is, is a first-year head coach. He's got some, some experience around him that I'm sure he's going to rely on to help him set his schedule and to get figure out, you know, how physical to be because football is physical, and you get calloused to hitting and to being physical and, and, and to tackling. I mean, it's a game of blocking and tackling and running and collisions and, and all that. And if you don't collide, then you don't ever get better at colliding. And, and so, you know, those kind of things, it, it, it's, it's a tough, it's an art form to dealing with, but it's hugely important as far as getting yourself prepared for what you're going to see all season. And then, you know, I like the way the, the Cajun schedule sets up, you know, with Southeastern and Eastern Michigan and Rice and then getting in the conference at ULM. That's a little different opening conference with ULM as opposed to closing the year with them. But, um, you know, it, it, it sets up well. But, but just to directly answer your question, it, the camp is, is, is massively important. The quarterback competition is the most talked about, most covered one. That's not a surprise. Coach Desermo told me a week ago when we chatted on this show that, you know, I said, I think I know the answer, Coach, but what's the question you've been asked most in the last few months? He said, who's going to start a quarterback? I said, well, here we go. And he said, look, well, you know, we don't want to drag this thing out. We, we, we want to have this decided when we break camp. And the players deserve to know. Team deserves to know. We need to be able to prepare accordingly. Um, Gerald, I, you know, the most talked about thing. Is it the most important? Some would say yes. Others would say, man, there's a lot of other really, whatever. I, I, I'm not going to debate the debate. I just want your thoughts on Walrich Fields. Those two guys, do you think someone has a leg up? Is it as tight as we all think it is right now? 
I think it is, and, and I'm anxious to, to – and look, I, I know this just between Gerald and Scott. I don't want nobody else to know, but I might, I might be sneaking out there between the fence tomorrow now. I'm, I want to get a peek and uh, just to kind of see. Saw him during the spring and then haven't watched him during the summer, but I, I want to see him in, in, in pads and see what they, what they look like out there moving around. Uh, and – Look, I, I just what I've seen. I couldn't have told you. I mean, I couldn't pick one, uh, but I haven't seen near as much as they have. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I know Coach Vietor is working closely with them, along with Coach Dez, and and you know, I, I at times think about leveraging my relationship there and making a few phone calls, but I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm gonna, those guys are working. I'm going to let them work, and and uh, but I am anxious to see it. And look, that's. You know, that, to me, that is, you know, somebody's got to say hike, and that's that's the most important guy on your football team most of the time and stuff. But there are a couple other questions, mainly, you know, up front that I think need to get answered and some depth at the running back position, need to develop that in camp. Uh, I think that there are a lot of stuff. You, you, you lost some guys on defense, but I think you had some quality depth behind that. But, you know, the losses up front on the offensive line are, are, are a concern. And, and so now... Do you have the, the – I think if you can put one good group together that I, I'm comfortable with without knowing the, the talent level of the backups, but I'm anxious to see what the talent level of those backups are. So, um, I don't know. I'm just – I'm really excited to kind of get to camp. You mentioned the backups, the talent level, the O-line, Gerald. You coached it. You played it. And I was talking to, you know, Carlos Rubio. I was talking to A.J. Gilly, who, by the way, is the strongest player on the team this year. Uh, every player said that when I asked them, and uh, Coach Neighbor has kind of admitted it before trying to walk it back and say, well, maybe, you know, but but he said it. I mean, it's Gilly. I mean, we, you know, you mentioned, uh, you, you, I know you're a fan of, of, of David Hudson. I mean, they've got some guys mm-hmm. with experience that, like you say, the big guys getting lathered up up front. They all love to run block. The idea of just throwing someone on the ground is is appealing to linemen. That's what you guys enjoy probably gets you a rat. You just love it. I mean, it's just to be honest. You love it. You like to watch it, Gerald. I mean, I hear your voice on the broadcast when they get it going. Since I have covered the Cajuns, which is since 2005, arguably, the I'll say this, since 2005, the most consistent and strongest unit on the team has been the offensive line. It doesn't mean that maybe one year they had a unit that was a little bit better, but, but maybe not. I mean, it has always been good. They've always had all-conference performers on it. And that's through three different coaching staffs. It has been the, mm-hmm. a big strength of this team, regardless of everything else. And it could be a strength this year. I don't know. As I told Coach and as I told some of the old linemen, I'm like, look, we're on the outside. We're just, you know, we, we, we ask around, we talk. But a lot of times going into another season, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, we're, we might be reading Phil Steele, but we also might be doing, you know, what he does. You look at who you have coming back. You look at the experience, you look at who you lost, and you know from there you say, okay, is this a question mark? Yeah, I think it's fair to say it's a question mark. I think it's unfair to say, oh, they're going to be bad or they're going to be great or anything like that. I think it's a question mark right now. I mean, you talk to people, I talk to people, but you know, in talking to the players last week, they are, you know, I mean, I talked to Chandler Fields, I talked to Ben Woolridge. They're like, I got, I got no worries, honestly. I mean, they're. They've been great. I got full confidence in them, you know, and I'm just I'm just using the exercise, Gerald, of 
I, I don't see a lot of experience there. What's the depth going to be like? I think it is, in my opinion, the biggest question mark heading into this season for Louisiana. And if the answer to that question is, it's still that, it, it is still that unit. It is still that unit that it's been since, so, at least since I've been covering it. I mean, I'm sure it was prior to 05, but it's still been that, that same unit that's one of the big strengths of this team year in, year out. Then I think the Cajuns are going to have a really good year. I think so much is, is really leaning, so much of the success of the offense is going to be leaning on what the answer to that question is. So I ask you the question, Gerald. Being a former O-lineman yourself and a guy that's coached O-lineman, how do you think the Cajuns O-line is going to be this year? And if that question at this point in time on August 11th is, I don't know, I get it, but i got to ask you. No, and, and it is. I don't know, but but I, I will know, and it, and it won't take long. And, and, and just, I'm anxious to go and see and, and, and to get a look. And look, I've heard all the talk, and, I, and I've seen it. But I was at the spring game that they couldn't have a game, and so I was there. Uh, and then it was because of a lack of depth and, and stuff like that. And so, but they've got some people in there. And look, which which you talked about as far as the the strength and the consistency of the lines going through is since 05. You know, I think that we've had some really good offensive line coaches who've done a great job of, of, of developing talent. And, and offensive line is, is a position of development. I mean, you know, you, it's hard to come in and play early. They've had a couple of them come in and play early. I think about Max Mitchell and Osiris Torrance and some people like that, you know, which of course, you know, there, there's a reason that I use those two names, but you know, those, guys have come in and played early, but, but I mean, I, I go back to, you know, like the Brad Bustles and the Chris Bishers and the Kyle Pirtles and the little John DeCosters and players like that who came in, redshirted, developed, kept getting better, a little better, a little better. When it was their time, they were ready to go. And I, I think that that's how, you know, the Cajuns have had some depth. I think that they've been able to, to play with some depth. And, and the other thing that the Cajuns have been able to do for the most part up until the last couple of years was stay very, very healthy. Uh, the last couple of years, though, they, they the Cajuns had to fight through a, a few injuries. I mean, we talked about uh, uh, Dirty Dave Hudson, who's, you know, I, and his dad was a guy I coached with, and I've been knowing Dave since he was just a little kid. And then he's, he's you know, one of my favorite Cajuns of all time. I ain't going to lie. I mean, I just admire what he's done coming and walking on and playing and putting forth the grit. He's always got that personality that keeps everybody excited on the sideline. And he, he's a Cajun through and through. And then him coming back and, and, and doing it again, I think, is exciting. But, you know, with, with that, he, he worked into being a, a good depth player. And then now he's in a position of a lot more playing time. But the, you've got other guys that have to be able to do it. And and so it's still the uncertainty until they make it through. And and there's some new names out there, guys that I, I I look at the depth chart all the time and the roster all the time. Just say, man, I, I like the structure, and I've seen him only a couple of reps in practice. I want to see him some more. And, and truth be known, Scott, they're going to get better if they hang around and, and and work with the coaches because this coaching staff has shown the ability to, to develop players. And so I think that the the, the success of the line will go as the guys stay healthy and as they come in. And boy, I do believe this, and I, I know this, we'll be better at the end of the year than we are at the beginning just because of reps that will be gotten. And, and so with the depth part of it, now hopefully 
you know, the, 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 I don't want to say the good guys, but the better guys are able to stay healthy. The guys who are in starting positions in August are able to stay healthy and, and give the other guys a chance to gain some experience and depth. But that is the biggest question mark. And, and I know that, you know, in talking around, it does not seem to be as big a question mark in the building as it is outside of the building, which is good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they feel that way, but, uh, you know, for myself, just to answer the question directly from me, Gerald, I haven't seen enough to say that I, I feel real good about. It. I don't know enough about some of the new names to feel like I, I feel real good about. It. I didn't know who Cybo who, who was when Osiris first started playing, uh, but it didn't take long to figure that out. I remember talking to Coach Sale. And, and, and he was talking about Max Mitchell. And he said, look, he's going to play as a true freshman. And I said, dude, he weighs 280. Why would you play him? And he said, just watch. And I watched about two series. And I'm thinking, God, you got to play that guy. I mean, he was ready. You know, and, and, and those are the kind of things that, that those guys know that we don't know because we, we don't get to see it. And so, so and look, I'm not, I'm not mad about not getting to see it. I think that's an exciting part of the anticipation to see them come together. So uh, my, my answer is I, I don't know, but, but I'm awfully excited to go and figure it out. Joe Broussard has been our guest. Um, on the defensive side of things, where do you think they have the most depth? Because it feels like they got quite a bit when you look up and down in the experience and then some of the young DBs coming up. I mean, I'm looking at the defense as a whole, and you know, I'm. Is there is there a hole somewhere on the defense right now? I don't want to say a hole. I think that there's some some uh, the the linebacker level probably has, has a little less experience depth than the other two levels. But but as far as and and that's not saying that there that there's not depth there. I'm just saying compared to. They played a lot of guys up front. They played a lot of guys in the back, and uh, and those guys that made plays, they they haven't played some guys in the back. That I thought, man, I saw this guy in practice. Why isn't he playing? Well, he just can't get on field because of numbers. And, and um, so I think that the, the the depth level at all the positions defensively is there. One thing I know, the Cages can really run. Uh, that that's. As long as you can run, you got a chance. And, and you know, I know they're going to miss the big man up front, you know, big souls up front, um, because they just don't have another guy that's, that's that massive to be in there. But, he, you know, he, he was not a guy that played 70 plays a game either. They played a lot of people in that stuff, in that position. And, and you know, Zion brings such a personality to that to that front and excitement to that front that I think that you know his presence in there gets people fired up and and uh, no I this and and look I think that's one of the reasons that the Cajuns are, are, are kind of anticipated to be as uh, at the top of the Sun Belt. You know, Sun Belt. A lot of people could, could could move the football and score. Not a lot of people could stop people. But you know, the the good teams have been able to do that. And I'm talking about the Cajuns and App and Coastal Carolina. And uh, you know, back when Arkansas State was 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 doing well in the Belt, it was because they could play some defense too. It wasn't that they were just outscoring folks. And um, I'm I'm excited about the, this defense and and seeing. And look, they've got some other young quality that's going to step up and fight for playing time. And and uh, they do play them now, and then I'm sure Coach Desmo will continue that. They're just playing a lot of numbers in there 
to keep those reps coming. And, and um, so I'm excited about this defense. Now, and look, I'm really excited to see Coach Morgan, Lamar Morgan, an ex-player, uh, get to get, put his stamp on it and see what he's able to do with it. I know he's been around it. He was an assistant with the Cajuns a couple years back and then ended up going to Vanderbilt and now coming back as coordinator. So um, yeah, I'm kind of fired up about that too. One more segment with the great Gerald Broussard. We mentioned it last hour, but Saints, UL, LSU, they all got one thing in common this year. They all got a new head coach. Don't think that's ever all happened in the same season before. And yet, typically when you get a new head coach, you know, oftentimes, Gerald, you're you're starting down low, right? You're having to rebuild. The expectation level is low. Now, only one of the three is replacing a fired coach, and that being Brian Kelly. But at LSU, expectations aren't low. So we're going to look at the expectations of these three teams in the next segment and then we're going to let Gerald run. He's been great this morning, getting us fired up with training camp talk and much more. Great Scott Show continues right after this. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Show. Gerald Broussard hanging out with us this morning on the phone line. Gee, I appreciate you spending so much time here on the airwaves and um, just looking forward to this season, man. I know we'll have a lot of football to chew on and Hard Knocks kind of was like, you know, I, I don't have one ass cheek. I have two. Um, but Dan Campbell wouldn't care. He'd kick it either way. But it kind of kicked my rear into like, yeah, okay, now I'm, now I'm feeling football. And so this conversation this morning kind of has me jacked up. Expectations. I want to talk about expectations for three different teams. Let's start with the Saints. You have a new head coach. Expectations, I think, should be high this year. You won nine games last year despite everything that went wrong, right? Yet, if you look at betting lines, the odds for the Saints this year are longer than they were last year. The over-under win total is lower than it was last year. That tells me a little bit about how some of the national media and, and the handicappers are looking at the Saints. I'm looking at them saying they've, they've improved their offense. They've, <laughs> they're, they're getting, you know, uh, they're, they're all pro, you know, the Pro Bowl kicker back. That's going to help. Their defense was good last year. I mean, they were almost in the playoffs last year. I, I think that the expectation... Obviously, within the building is is always high, but what what is your realistic expectation for the Saints this year, Gerald? Well, I, I do see why 
there would be some some uh, some people holding back a little bit on there or setting the expectations a little lower from outside because you know you've got a new head coach, you've got an, and although Pete Carmichael was technically the offensive coordinator, we all know that that Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator, you know, and and, and so. Uh, with the new head coach, with a new guy calling plays, you know, it's going to depend on the healthiness of, of James Winston, I think. Uh, but there is some talent. They've got some talent back. Uh, I, I, I understand why the, the win-loss total, the, the over-under would be set a little lower. I also understand that things go well. There's no reason that Saints shouldn't be a playoff team. I mean, they're not, not – I don't want to say that, that they could be. I think they should be. If uh, Again, it goes back to to me, in, in my mind, is to the health of Jameis Winston. I think he's going to be uh, – I think he, he'll understand taking care of the football uh, and not being the turnover machine that he has been in the past. But uh, And, I, look, I, I fully anticipate Pete Carmichael being able to handle things as a play car. He's done it before. Um, and, and so, and, and he's a, I mean, he's been there. If nothing else through osmosis, he, he'd have learned something with Sean Payton. But I know he was, you know, he's been around Gary Croton for his career and Sean Payton. He's been with a lot of, uh, good football coaches that understand and, and he is a good football coach. So I think things are going to go well for the Saints. And I, I think that it's good that the expectation level maybe is a little less, um, you know, kind of guys like to play with that chip or they, nobody believes in us, all that good kind of stuff that, you know, everybody likes to throw at you. But, 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 you know, and when, when expectations are set low, you, and it's a lot easier to exceed it. And as long as your talent level's there, and I do believe that the Saints have a talent level, then now it's just stay healthy, go play to that talent level. And I, I think they will. And then and I'm anxious to see it. You know, your, your point about why it's lower from a national standpoint, is because they don't have their head coach anymore. And I get that. But that's kind of what mm-hmm. leads us into this conversation, right? St. Joel, mm-hmm. LSU, they all have new head coaches. And when you when a coach leaves, whether at retirement or to go somewhere else, versus when a coach is fired and replaced, oftentimes it can be lower. But honestly, I, I think with Brian Kelly at LSU for the first time since 2000, they're not ranked in the preseason poll. Uh, but that was the last time they were entering a season coming off of a losing record. Now that year they were coming into the next season. They had won three games the year before, you know, they won six last year. Um, it's a little bit different, but my point is, you know, Saban did some really big things in year one and they weren't world beaters, but guess what? They ended the season. They were in the top 25. They won the, the, the peach bowl. I mean, they were building something. And I think that was a good realistic expectation. I also know the mindset of fans in 2000 and LSU fans was probably different than they were in 2022. But I'm not talking about fan expectations. What, what in your mind, and I know you don't follow LSU as closely, obviously, as you follow UL, but from the outside looking in, Gerald, just what's your, what's your expectation level for, uh, for LSU in 2022 and Brian Kelly's first season as head coach? No, I do think that they're going to finish. They'll be in the top 25 at the end of the year. I, I think that they'll – I don't think it'll take them long to get in the top 25. Oh, yeah, I think they're going to be a good yeah. – Yeah, I think they're going to be a good football team. I, I know that they, uh, they've they got too much talent there in Baton Rouge not to win. And, um, and look, they, they had a disappointing year last year 
But what they went through last year with all the people that were gone was just anybody was going to be it's going to be tough to deal with right there. But Coach Kelly comes in with with a talent base. He comes in with a, with a good staff. And look, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they're able to do. I, I you know I don't think they're going to contend in the SEC West, but no. I think they're going to beat some people at the top of the SEC West too. I I look at the Cajuns. They're not preseason ranked. They did finish in the top 25 the last two seasons. They are riding the longest win streak in college football. And, you know, 13 in a row. I think they got maybe two votes in the coaches' poll. I mean, not not, not close to getting in right now. How many games consecutively would they have to win to even be considered in the top 25? I I. I Look, I, I know how coaches vote. I know how these polls work. Preseason polls are done. But they are what they are. They're there. I mean, it, it, you look at, okay, who do you have coming back? Are you a P5? Are you a G5? What conference do you play in? Oh, your head coach left. Oh, you lost this guy, whatever. So they're not ranked. But I do think riding the longest win streak, and while this team tells me they never talk about it, really, and I believe Andre Jones is like, honestly, it doesn't even get brought up. It's just it's kind of like a last year and a lot's changed, you know, it it doesn't really get brought up. It, it it does get brought up by us in the media. It will get brought up if they continue to win some games, whether it be by a little or whether it be by a lot, right? Like we said, just win, baby. I look at the Cajun schedule, and it's if you were to stack up, you know, UL football schedules year after year after year, maybe we'll look at it differently come, you know, December 1. But looking at it right now, Gerald, I wouldn't stack this one up and say, well, this is, this is on the upper half of difficult ones. I'm not trying to say they're going to have it easy. They got work to do. But the strength of schedule right now on paper, it's, it's not up there. My point is they, can, they take care of business. They can keep riding this winning streak for a little while. What is your expectation today for the Cajuns? Well, I agree with that. I, I think it's going to, and look, I, I'm, and I can say this talking to you, and I did bring it up to Michael during the spring game when, when Coach Wingerter and I, Troy Wingerter and I were walking around the field with the microphone and trying to just add some color to the, to the spring scrimmage slash practice slash game, whatever it was, just walking around kind of talking. It wasn't broadcasted, but we were just talking to, to the crowd with, with mics on the field. And, um, and, and brought it up about, hey, you know, let's keep this thing going. And then he kind of looked at me like, I ain't got nothing to do with the first 13, you know. And, and so, but but if you look at it, I, you know, there's no reason why they can't come out of September, you know. And, and they, I think they'll be favored in every game in September. I think that if I'm not mistaken, the first game of October is going to be uh, South Alabama at the house. Homecoming. And then, yep, and then you got Marshall. Uh, midweek game uh, in in at Marshall, and I think that that's going to be the one that'll be the toughest of the first six, and that'll be the one that should challenge to, to keep it going. Because look, I know the Cajuns beat Marshall in the bowl game last year, um, but this is this will be different, and and um, you know, and then for it, and you get to go go see my old buddy Lance Gidry up there, so that'll be fun. But you know, this is a good Marshall team that you got to go beat on the road on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week and stuff like that. So that'll be the chore. But I agree with you. I mean, the schedule's not. Uh, I mean, your one quote unquote money game is a Florida State team that you know. Heck, we know what can happen there. 
And um, and you, you get know, them so at the end no of the reason. season, which some yeah. will say, I don't like that. I, I think for a team like this, you'd prefer that than to open up there. You know? Um, oh, no doubt. So yeah. I, it, it's, it's not a strong schedule in terms of difficulty. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that it's going to be easy or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just stating facts here. Based on what the expectation level is and what these teams did last year, and yes, things can change between now and you know the beginning of December. But Gerald, I, I, I would bet that come December one, we're not going to be like, man, that ended up being a brutal schedule. There are going to be some surprises. There are going to be some teams that are better than we think, and teams that aren't as good as we think. But there's just a lot of winnable games here. And if you're, if the top goal on your list is you know win that Sun Belt and you play in the West, you got a good chance to do it. Just get to that Sunbelt Conference Championship game and see what happens after that. But I I think for, for you know the transition that's happening now, they want it to be a continuation. That was the word that Dr. Maggard used. That was the word that so many used when they talked about promoting Coach Dez from, you know, the 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 O C to the head coach and replacing Billy Napier. And I think the continuation helps when you've got a lot of games on that schedule. Because look, let's be real, G. There's been game. There's been schedules in the past where there might be three games on it where you're like, I'm not saying they can't win. I just know the betting line is going to have them as a heavy dog, and that's not the case this year at all. I mean, they're going to be a dog in a few games, but I, I mean, it's it's not going to be by that many points. Well, and, and you say that, and I can only think of two. And so, you know, and that what might be the Marshall and that might be the Florida State. Mm-hmm. And, and they could be, by those times when they're playing those games, they could be Pickham's then, too. Only because they're both on the road. Uh, you know, having to go to Southern Miss. And look, I think Southern Miss can be better. I'm so glad Southern Miss is in the conference. I really am. Because I'm excited about that and getting, getting to go. But that'll be another week game, you know, Thursday night in Hattiesburg there. Um, you know, going on the road at Rice, it's, it's, and look, that was our first game as a Division One school. I was on the field for that one when we were able to beat Rice at Rice. And so that'll be neat to go back there. Uh, but but that's you know I think the Cages will be favored in that going to U, to ULM I think the Cages the Cages will be favored in all the road games with the exception of those two and I think that they they won't be a heavy dog if they're a dog at all and so you know I just I I really appreciate what what the the people putting this and I know schedules are made well in advance but but this one could have been juiced up a little bit but the conference didn't overdo it by by. You know, putting the cages in a bind with a lot of bad stuff, and 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 you know, when I say that, I mean they they could have also had you know the apps and the coastals, and although I would have liked to have seen coastal on the schedule, uh, you know, to be known that would have made things a lot more difficult for a, a transition. And I don't want to say, I guess it shouldn't be considered transition, the continuation staff of, of it, but. You know, now that that it is what it is with it, I I do think the schedule sets up well, and I think that, uh, you know, I I I never anticipate an undefeated schedule. I think that you know, there's always going to be one or two hiccups in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I thought that the Cajuns would you know would drop two. They ended up dropping one during the season. I didn't know who it was going to be. I didn't know if it's going to be Texas or somebody else. And just it's just hard to say you're going to win every game. Uh, and and but you know to anticipate another double digit win season. And I look at the schedule and I'm thinking, well, yeah, they. Not only why not, but they really should. And so, uh, 
that <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had that kind of anticipation of, of excellence that I really do. And the expectations for the three teams we just talked about being what they are is a great sign of where football is right now uh, in this state. And, and, and there's some other college teams, obviously, in the state we didn't touch on. But, you know, just hitting on some of the teams that a lot of the listeners are, are honed in on, um, that's a good thing. It's, that means it has a chance to be a lot of fun. Now, sometimes with great expectations can come great disappointment. But if you're going into a season with, with, with good expectations, it means your program or your team is in a really good spot. Uh, maybe, maybe we can just, you know, you were saying transition, continuation. We'll just call it, um, uh, we'll call it uh, continuation. I mean, can we just combine the words? Because that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for UL and and the Saints a little bit. Uh, with that being said, Gerald Broussard has uh, has been our guest. Lastly, you know, it's talking about the rankings and you know being in a coach's poll and a people and for the Cajuns, while they don't have that that game on the schedule that would make uh, a voter be like, whoa, you know, I mean, App State opens up against you know a couple of of, of big name teams and. What is it, North Carolina and then A&M? If they win one of those, it's like, oh, my God. But what the Cajuns have going for them is that win streak, right? And that, that does play. You could say, oh, that was last year. For voters, you know, even if your first few wins, if, you get, if, you, if you're you know, fortunate enough and work hard enough to start off with a 2-0, 3-0 start, suddenly they're like, okay, maybe they're not notable. But guess what? I mean, they, they hadn't lost a game in over a year. So maybe I'll, I'm, I'm going to toss them a vote this week because this team lost and that team lost. So that's where I think last year's streak comes into play a little bit. As far as, you know, does it mean anything for this season? Um, they might not be talking about it in that locker room, Gerald, but thinking about the things that fans talk about and care about, I think that's where it really comes into play this year. No, I think you're right. And, and look, just because they don't talk about it don't mean we shouldn't. And I do think it's important because, you know, that's a one-year-by-one-year, one-game-by-one-game type of mentality. But we as fans, and I'm trying to be a fan, and we as, as, as media people and stuff, we're not. We, we, you know, we continue with it as it goes and, and continue the streak going, and, and I think it is important. And I do think that that will cause us – to, to get a little attention nationally and stuff, because we'd be silly if, and I know that they, they will, the, the media department there at, at, at UL will promote it, because I see it all over the place, too. Oh, yeah. They may not be talking about it, but that building is, and and they should be, you know, because that that's all part of it. And I know Coach Dez will sit there and say, hey, that wasn't y'all, that was last year's team, but you know what, when it becomes 14, they become part of it, too. And then there's 15, they're getting a little bigger part of it. They went 16, 17, 18, now, it's, now it is them. And um, so that's what makes it fun, too. You know, expectations and anticipation all make it fun. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's no longer, uh, man, I just hope we can have a winning season. Yeah, I think the schedule sets itself up for, for an anticipation of, hey, can we, can we roll out 10 again? You know, and... and you know, to think of a few years back that the Cajuns would be talking. I just, you know, when, when Coach Hud came in and went to back-to-back bowls and then three bowls and then all that stuff. And now a bowl is, is you know, back we were hoping to just get bowl eligible. And and, and uh, now there weren't near as many bowls and stuff like that then, but still. And now it, uh, a bowl is kind of, is, I mean, it's just a guarantee. You know, you, you're going to win enough to get in a bowl with just what bowl it is. And then can you get to 10 again? So, um, 
look, I'm excited about it. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm antsy, and it, it's August, and um, you know, seeing Man Camel last uh, yesterday oh, yeah. morning was kind of exciting. I'm, I'm, shoot, I'm ready. I'm gonna watch it again, Scott. I'm just telling you what I know. I'll tell the listeners in the next segment why the Lions could actually. Take the over on win totals, and it's not because I'm a sucker for the moment with hard knocks. I'm going to come up with an actual reason, I promise. But we're going to let Gerald uh, Broussard depart here. 23 days away from the Cajuns kicking off their season. 24 for LSU against Florida State. 31 before the Saints kick off against the Atlanta Falcons. But in 23 days, as I mentioned, Southeastern versus Louisiana at Cajun Field. 6 o'clock, Gerald Broussard on the radio broadcast with my friend Jay Walker, Cody Juno, on the sidelines. It'll be here before we know it. G-Man, it's been real. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, looking forward to talking a lot more ball with you this season. Hey, I appreciate you, my friend. That is Gerald Broussard. When we come back, I'll tell you why the Lions, over-under win total, take the over. Because when you analyze the schedule, it actually makes sense. What is the over-under win total for them on the sports books? It ain't that high. I'll tell you all that next. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Tomorrow, Gus Catengale will join me. We'll talk plenty of Saints training camp. Have some open phone lines as well. You'll hear some of my player interviews that I uh, conducted with some Rage Occasion players. A.J. Gilly, Peter LeBlanc, among a few. That'll come your way tomorrow on the show. Thanks to Gerald Broussard for joining me this morning. The Detroit Lions, 3-14 and last year. Or 3-13-1, something like that, Right? Depending on what sports book you're looking at, their over-under win total for this year is either six or six and a half. So doubled or more than doubled from a betting standpoint. Here is why you should take the over. Look at their schedule and the teams they're playing and who their quarterback is. You're talking about, in a lot of cases, young quarterbacks or mistake-prone quarterbacks. You got the Washington Commanders and Carson Wentz. You got the Seahawks and either Geno Smith or Drew Locke. You got the Bears. Justin Fields is young. You got the Jets. Zach Wilson's young. You got the Giants. Daniel Jones. I mean, it's the Giants. You got Carolina. You got Chicago. So while Jared Goff isn't a world beater, He's a little more, he's shaky at times, a little more steady than the quarterback situations there. So in a lot of games, they're going to have the edge of quarterback. They're going to be on the home field a lot because I think they're, they've got nine home games this year. Like, they were competitive last year against good teams. They just couldn't finish. They didn't have any depth. They didn't have much of a pass rush. 
You know, they gave up lots of touchdowns late. The Lions aren't going to the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. It ain't happening. But they can get to seven wins. They might get to eight or nine. Probably not. They can get to seven. They're a seven-win team. I mean, they're, they're playing Philly week one. Hard Knocks is going to make them a little bit more of a trendy bet. Maybe that line moves a little bit, but it has nothing to do with the documentary. That's very entertaining. It has to do with the teams on their schedule and the quarterbacks of those teams. Pound the over. Pound the over. Pound the over. That's it for the Great Scott Show on this Thursday. The Dan Patrick Show is next. I will talk to you guys tomorrow on their airways. Before we go, though, I want to remind you. Football's around the corner, and our tailgate prize is back. UL homecoming, Saturday, October 1st, when the Cajuns take on the Jaguars of South Alabama. Go to the ESPN Lafayette app now. Tailgate party for 50. Click on it. Enter. It's free to enter. And you could win the ultimate tailgate party for 50. From Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. We're talking food, drinks, wait staff, a tent, the prime tailgate spot. All of that courtesy of UL Athletics and ESPN Lafayette. Oh, by the way, for 50. That means we're giving you 50 tickets to the game. Go to the ESPN Lafayette app now or to ESPNLafayette.com and register to win. It's the ultimate tailgate package from ESPN Lafayette, UL Athletics, and Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. Talk to you tomorrow. This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports.